Welcome to the Music of America podcast, where every week we visit a different state in America and meet a different guest in the music industry. Every day, Monday through Friday, we begin in Alabama and we end in Wyoming. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. Let's talk music here on the Music of America. Music of America podcast continues in Little Rock, Arkansas today, and we're going to be visiting with a gentleman from a band called the Funky Donkey. What a fun name, what a fun band, what a fun interview this is going to be. I can I can feel it in the air tonight as the song says. Bass players, <laughs> listen up. Bass players, the bag. It's a high-quality leather gig bag. The family of products from the bag people are all handmade. They're handmade in the USA with the finest craftsmanship, with a beautiful, sophisticated, and very cool overall appearance. They are made of some of the finest quality leather and cushion available, and they're meant to last a lifetime, literally a lifetime. They have over 30 years in the leather industry and are extremely proud to introduce a line of gig bags targeted to the skilled professional, as well as the fun-seeking novice. Our hope, of course, at Tony Vaughn Bass Bags is that you're going to love their bags as much as they do. So it's called The Bag by Tony Vaughn Bass Bags. You can find them at www.tonyvaughn.com. That's V-A-U-G-H-N. So how are you doing today? Well, I am full donkey, as we say down here in donkey land. Tom, it's real nice to meet you. Thank you for having us on. Nice to meet you, too, too Ben. This is Ben Swamp Donkey Brenner. And I guess you're one of the, the founders, headliners, or main vocalists, chief bottle well, yeah, exactly. Uh, the best way to explain is the, the drummer in our band, a guy named Lance Womack from Camden, Arkansas, came to me one day and he said, Donkey, I have good news and I have bad news. Do you want to hear it? And I said, well, yeah, let's let's start with the good news. He said, well, it's the same news. And the news is you're the tits and ass in this band. Oh, so <laughs> that's a, that's a pretty accurate description. I mean, I'm I put the band together. I do most of the lead vocal work, although we have two other very talented vocalists in the band. I either write or co-write almost all the material. We do about 90% original, 95% original material. And then I also am in charge of the thankless tasks associated with having a working band like booking and promotion and finding your podcast podcast interviews right <laughs> yeah well the, the interview this is not a thankless task the interview is not a thankless task i like I, i'm happy to talk but you know finding the opportunities is hard there's stuff like that so in in a very real sense it, it is it is my band and it's sort of my vision i suppose you could say do you do mostly little rock or do you do the state do you do the bi-state area do you travel six states who does the the funky donkey I guess, reach? Who do you reach out to? How far do you go? So our footprint right now is basically Arkansas and Mississippi. I do, uh, so the band is kind of, I don't know that I'd say unique. It's interesting in a way because we're at full strength, the full donkey, as we say, six pieces. But we break that down into different kind of groups. So I have a duo that I do with with my lead guitar player, Gil Franklin, who's also one of my writing partners. Uh, last night, we did a four-piece gig. And that would so, be with you, know, you, you, Gil, Lance, and Lynn, maybe? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And so Gil and I, about once, about once every two months, we'll do a swing through Mississippi as a duo. We'll go to Jackson, Mississippi, and Vicksburg, and Clarksdale, and, uh-huh. and other places like that. When it's the two of you, do you both play guitar? Is it acoustic or? Yeah, so we do both play guitar and I play harmonica, you know, Bob Dylan style in a rack. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a combination. Gilbo always plays electric. I will go back and forth between electric and acoustic. My main guitar for the duo setting is a uh, national res- resonator guitar that i play slide on so Uh that's sort of a it's kind of the best of both worlds it's a little bit acoustic and a little bit electric you know got a great resonator story i'll tell you about someday about a woman named bex marshall from great great britain from london i'll I'll tell you about um one of our one of our sponsors uh joe mendel's mendel's frets who he makes guitars and mandolins i just talked with him the other day said he picked up his first resonator or he just picked up learning how to play the resonator it's always been gotcha. a fascinating instrument to me. It's just another one of those things I have to buy and just say someday. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Get get one and tune it to Open G, and you'll 
you will say to yourself immediately, why did I wait so long? Where has no this kidding. been hiding my entire life? Oh, yeah, That's, absolutely. There, absolutely. Was a, there was a Rolling Stone song, and I was watching a video, a how-to video, and the guy said the exact same thing. He said, set it to Open G, and you can play like that dozens of yep. songs. It's amazing. We made mention yep. to uh, or of a couple of your other bandmates, so let's run through your band real quick. Gil Franklin sure. is on guitar. Yep, Gilbo's is lead guitar. He's my songwriting partner, mm -hmm. um, and he's also a great singer. Uh -huh. And harmonies, who decides who's got lead and who sings harmony, or do you just automatically, you're doing lead, he automatically, automatically takes the third up, or how does that play out? A lot of our harmonies are actually more kind of unison type harmonies than a traditionally structured, somebody gets a third up, somebody yeah. goes down. We're heavily influenced by the band and the kind of the way that they would use a lot of unison or semi-unison kind of harmonies. Mm -hmm. But in general, it really just comes together very organically. Um, yeah. Usually the person who's the main author on the song is going to wind up singing it. Although I do work to try and, and we both work to try and write stuff for other other folks to sing. And then, you know, Lance Womack, our drummer, is a, is also a great singer. So we'll mess around with the song for a while, and he'll go, hey, Donk, I, I've got an idea for harmony on this. And I go, okay, cool, you know, and yeah. and we'll play around with that. Um, we have uh, Lynn Fitzgerald, our, our bass player, and then Curtis Adams, who's our keyboard and organ player, are both really, really educated trained musicians a lot more than than i am for sure and so they every now and then will say well what about what if we tried this right there okay yeah right got it you know that that makes sense so it's it's sort of democratic and organic in that in that fashion tom let's face it everybody in the band wants to sing right, right. i mean there's pretty much like you're in a band like there's a there's a singer hidden in everybody in there whether right, they want right. to admit it or not <laughs> With the exception of my, my late father, he couldn't sing happy birthday to you if you <laughs> spotted him happy birthday too. <laughs> it's horrible. And, and listen, I think the song happy birthday is a scam because it's <laughs> if you if you get down to it, it's incredibly difficult to sing. It's really not that like go to a restaurant, right, where people are singing happy birthday. <laughs> and you realize that you've got, you know, all the different keys kind of going on at once, at least as the beginning, everybody tries to sort of figure out where it is. It's actually not that easy to do. That's funny. never realized that. Now, next time I'm at a roadhouse or something, steakhouse, you know, yeah. <laughs> pay attention. Now, now we're going to get somebody angry if we don't mention Kevin Lewis, because you've mentioned everybody in the band. Right. But, but Kevin Lewis, who is your sax player, does he Kevin, sing as well? No, absolutely. Actually, he does. Yeah, Kevin sings. Kevin sings backup as well. Okay. Um, I, I call Kevin. Kevin is not on the the Donkey Land record, which is what we're I think going to be talking about once we get into music. We added him after that. Mm -hmm. But I call Kevin my Bobby Keys. He's just a great a, a great roadhouse sax player. Yeah. Very very uh, brings a lot of energy. Can also play some jazz. Can play country music. Can play blues, of course. So we're real lucky to have to have kevin with us energy is exactly the word i was going to use in this interview when i listen to your music full of energy full of life so much fun and the songs we're going to listen to you had a hand in all three of them is that correct absolutely yeah okay. yeah mm -hmm. for sure yeah what's your process does this come up organically in a practice like hey what if we did this and what if we did this? Or do you come to practice sometimes and say, hey, I've been working on something? Or do you come with a finished product and say, here's your part, here's your part, here's your part? So here's a, here's a really unsatisfying answer. All of the above, okay? The songs, Mozart Line and Queen of the Devil's Den, just to kind of preview things, those are songs that Gil and I wrote together mm -hmm. um, in one way or another. Too Broke to Pay My Dues is, is entirely my doing, but... That's a song that took 15 years to write, believe it or wow. not. I mean, it, it was a very, very long process on that. So a lot of times I will bring something that's pretty much fully formed in terms of structure and lyrics to the band to rehearsal. I'm, um, I'm a little bit sneaky about it sometimes. I, a lot of times I won't tell them. You know, this is a new song. It's, we're at the beginning of the rehearsal. It sounds like an orchestra kind of warming up, right? Everybody's noodling around, figuring things. And I'll just, and I'll go into it. And you can do that when the songs are in a blues form because right. everybody knows the basic patterns. And to the extent there are specific changes, you can kind of call them out on the fly. 
So I'll do that and we'll finish. And then I'll kind of look around the room and I'll, I'll be like, well, you know, what do, is, what do we think? Is this a keeper? Is this working worth working on more or, or not? And they'll go, oh, yeah, it is. Or, or no one ever says no, that sucks. Don't keep it. You can kind of <laughs> tell, you know, like you can, you can read the energy and go, okay, so that one needs, that one needs to cook some more or we sure. need to take it a different direction, you know. Sometimes it'll just be a, a lick or a riff that we've got and we'll start moving through it sometimes gil will bring a, a sheet of lyrics and we'll start working on something along those along those lines so it it is all i, I was reading uh jeff tweedy's book from jeff tweedy from wilco mm -hmm. uh, he wrote a book called how to write one song and one of the one of the themes of his book is like there's no one process to this, right? There's just okay. no one way to do it. You got to work at it every day because it's like a muscle. And if you don't work at it, you'll lose it. But the reality is, is that like sometimes you might wake up from a dream with a fully formed song in your head. And other times you're going to rewrite it. He says in his book, he rewrites every song at least seven times. So oh. you're going to rewrite it over and over and over and over and over again and rearrange it until it actually gets to the spot where it just you just know it's done did you ever not did you ever wake up or whatever write a song start to finish and it was perfect have you ever done what i would call the perfect song where you write it um, one time and it comes together and everybody gets their part and it's hardly ever yeah, changed yes so so the reality is, is i i have i have i have two songs that basically came to me all at once one is you know one is the result of a dream and one was the result of just sitting down and 10 minutes later the whole thing was there but that's rare i mean uh -huh. that is and i wouldn't say that those are perfect songs it's just they are there's just songs where you where i knew they were done i knew they were done yeah. after yeah. right away it didn't take a long time By perfect but that's rare and, and and i'll tell you what what the the sneaky thing about that is that having that happen totally spoils you. <laughs> <I'll bet. laughs> because it's such the exception to the rule. Uh -huh. I'm it's really into thing. I'm really into marketing. I've been into marketing. I was in radio for like 10 years and I ran my own business for 25 years and ran my own band for a couple of years. So and I really dig marketing and the funky donkey is just <laughs> so cool. And I, I couldn't wait to meet you guys just on the name alone. And you guys do so much fun stuff with like, keep it, keep it funky, keep it donkey, you know, yeah, play on the words and stuff. And so it, it, does that come from everybody or is that just something because that's your nickname, right? You're the uh, swamp donkey. Yeah. So I, in, in terms of the funky donkey, I like to say that I'm the donkey and they're the funky. Um, <laughs> but uh uh, people will ask me, "Oh, where'd you get that? Where'd you get that name, Swamp Donkey?" And I've got a whole list of lies that I tell about it. Like uh, I, for a long time, I used to say, "Well, that was the name of the ship that Columbus didn't take to the New World," you know, <laughs> uh, things like that. But the reality is, is it was just a a, a guy local guy here in town about 20 years ago called me up to book me for a gig, and when I answered the phone, he said, "Is this the Swamp Donkey?" And if I would have thought about it, I wouldn't have said yes, but I didn't think about it. So I said, well, yes, as a matter of fact, it is. And I just, I stuck with it uh -huh. for that whole time and kind of built, like you said, in a marketing term, sort of built this kind of a brand around it. Because, well, the other thing is, if I would have looked in like Urban Dictionary at the definitions of Swamp Donkey, I also would have been like, okay, maybe I don't want to do this. Oh, maybe really? That's not the right way. Yeah, it's not, they're not flattering. <laughs> And I guess I get Generally. some research. I get some research. I got to do now. <laughs> uh, it's also swamp donkeys. Also a nickname down in Louisiana. A lot of people will use that when they're hunting deer. They'll call them swamp donkeys. Things oh, like okay. that. I I uh, had heard that before, and I, I was I hadn't made the connection. I just knew I had heard yeah. that from. So that's what it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, it's just memorable. People aren't going to forget it. You know, people might not remember Ben Brenner. They might. They might not. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But swamp donkey people are like, oh yeah, yeah. I've heard about you. I've heard about that. I remember that. And then I discovered, well, you can use the word donkey as a lot of different forms of speech, you know, right. to describe things. And so I kind of built this 
brand and almost this sort of lexicon up around that. It's brilliant. I think it's just brilliant what you've done. <laughs> well, it was, as my old granny used to say, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. It was just pure <laughs> luck. <laughs> but regarding nicknames, there's a funny story. But I had a pest control company, so everybody, more people know me as Bugman. Yeah, and, I saw that on your email. I was yeah. like, well, this is strange. Yeah. And, and before that, I've got a buddy of mine, my very first radio gig. I was in Joplin, Missouri, not far from you. I uh, did a late night talk show called the Sandman Forum. And I've got buddies of mine from way back then, 40 years ago, that still call me Sandman. Yeah. So, but Bugman, Sandman, Donkey. It, it's funny how a nickname right. identifies who you are at the time and how right. it, it can stay with you, even if you're somebody else after that. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, like you, exactly. like you said, you've built a whole lexicon of everything that you do. Your tagline: "Keep it, keep it donkey, or keep it funky." What is it? Keep it donkey. I, I, I say, I say. Well, we can say "keep it donkey." That works. I generally say in donkey land, we want you to get donkey, yeah. and once you get donkey, we want you to stay donkey. <laughs> and, and 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 people go, "What does that mean?" And I go, "Well, it just—I mean, it just means whatever we need it to mean at the moment." pretty much well I, and i like it too that it's a funky donkey not a funky donkey you know <laughs> yeah well so the the story behind that is um uh, i'm a huge dr john fan i'm a huge fan of new orleans music uh -huh. um everybody in the band is and, and lance our drummer has really studied the new orleans style of playing drums which is really pretty particular to new orleans in a lot of ways mm -hmm. i've in in dr john's autobiography because doctor, I mean, you talk about having a lexicon. I mean, he's made up all kind of words and whatnot. Sure. But one of the words he uses in there is "funky" to describe a particular sort of New Orleans kind of sound, and he actually mm -hmm. calls it funk music yeah. as opposed to funk music. Right. And so when when I finally put the band together and we were kind of fishing around, what are we going to call ourselves? Because I didn't want it to be the Ben Swamp Donkey Brenner Band or something like right. that. I didn't like that. I, it just so happened that was right when I was reading his autobiography and this word funky was on my mind. And I mean, the two, how do you not link those two things up? Exactly. In my mind, you exactly. don't. Like, it had to happen. <laughs> it's just everything that's grown out of that, man. I'm surprised Ben and Jerry's didn't hit you up yet for an ice cream flavor, you know? <laughs> hey, listen, I saw an interview with Jerry Garcia one time where he was talking, it was in the late 80s, and he was talking, he was being questioned about the criticism that the dead were playing. They had a hit on MTV and they were playing stadiums and, you know, they were being called sellouts. And Jerry said, sellout? Heck, we've been trying to sell out for years, but no one's been buying. <laughs> so Ben and Jerry's wants to come make a funky donkey ice cream. Lord knows I am Bring down it. for it. Well, we're in Vermont, so hopefully... This word will yes. get over to them, and uh, Ben, you'll be getting a phone call. So let's let's, let's talk some music. Uh, yes, let's do it. song we want to talk about, and the way, uh, how it caught my eye, the name of the song is Mozart Line. Grew up in yep. Missouri, got kin yep. uh, in Arkansas, uh, spent time in Joplin, spent time in Springfield. So being that close to Arkansas made me think it's got to be, a and then the Ozarks, so Missouri, Ozarks, Arkansas, Mozark. I, that's how it came together in my head. Is that what this is about? It's pretty close, Tom. There used to be a railroad called the Missouri-North uh, Arkansas Railroad that ran, I think it went all the way down maybe into New Orleans and, and ran all the way up into like St. Louis, maybe a, a bit beyond that. And for short, they called it the Mozark Line. Oh, okay. So, it, it, I mean, I think it's a, it's picking up on exactly what you were picking up on there, which is that mm -hmm. Missouri and the Ozarks and that kind of stuff. Gil Franklin's father actually worked on that railroad. Well, so Gil was intimately familiar with it. Uh, it had another nickname, which was, or many nicknames, but one of the nicknames was May Never Arrive Railroad. <laughs> so that was, that song grew out of... <laughs> Here's a secret. It, this should just stay within this podcast. No, but nobody will know. Just, just you and me. Just us. <laughs> you know, for a long time, I'd write these songs, or I'd work with Gil, and I'd kind of think, well, these are about me. Or I'm trying to write a, a blues song or a specific kind of song. And then I realized, like, 90% of the songs I write are about Gilbo. They're about Gil Franklin and his life. Because <laughs> we go on these trips down to Mississippi or whatnot. We spend a lot of time behind the windshield. And he, he just tells me stories. Or he'll look out the window and he'll say something like, 
the land is rich, but the people are poor. And I'll go, oh, dang, Gil, there's another song. You know, right? Yeah. There's a line. He, he would tell me stories about the railroad and about his dad working on the railroad. And, of course, railroads are, are a very sort of traditional theme in blues music. Sure. One day during pandemic, we started by trading. We started trading ideas by text. I, I text him a verse. What do you think of this? And he'd go, oh, that's pretty cool. And he'd text me one or two back. Oh, what about that? And then we we just went working back and forth that way and came up with that with the song along those lines. I also did a little bit of research on it because there was a lot of history. There's a you know, there's with every railroad, there there are train wrecks sure. that happen. There are, you know, stations that get burned down in riots. There's all kind of stuff like that. So I did some research and tried to kind of uh, uh, build that into the song as well. That's really how that song came about. I had a desire to write a straight ahead 12 bar guitar driven blues song, which is a shockingly difficult thing to do when you really get down to it. Yeah. And that's how that one came about. Well, I'm going to give it a listen. So we're going to play this right now. All right. We're with, we're with the, the funky donkey from Little Rock, Arkansas. And first song we're going to hear from them a song called Mozart Line.
Gotta love a railroad song. Mozart line with the Funky Donkey from Little Rock, Arkansas. And we'll be back to, to talk with Ben in just a moment. Speaking of jazz and blues, founded in 1999, Jazz Generation has now three complimentary programs that promote both live jazz as an art form and the performing arts as a cultural asset of New York City. They are the Jazz Standard Discovery Program, the JDP, the Jazz Standard Youth Orchestra, or the JSYO, and since 2014, KU, Keyed Up. It's an anti-poverty program offering services that support professional jazz artists in their performing careers while revitalizing local businesses. All programs are intended to develop a whole new generation of public audiences and performers. The Jazz Discovery Program includes New York City grade schoolers from all different backgrounds, both public and private schools from diverse neighborhoods in New York City, to a live jazz performance, often for the first time. The Standard Jazz Youth Orchestra is a performance-driven program that gives talented and dedicated young jazz musicians the opportunity to perform every Sunday, often with great artists from the New York City jazz scene. Then Keyed Up is the most recent program started in 2014 by starting to rescue pianos destined for the dumpster and then they position them into these smaller local venues, then ask for the venue to chip in what they could to help cover the expenses of the musicians while the, the organization comes in and compensates the rest of the way. It's a really cool concept. And if you want to help promote jazz, especially in the New York area, but anybody who wants to promote jazz, period, check them out, please. www jazz generation org or jazz generation contributions greatly appreciated and accepted and speaking of jazz we're back with swamp donkey ben brenner we were talking in our break about funky donkey ben and, and how to yeah. classify your genre and I, right. I i have you in my head as a country band with blues roots but you came up with a real good new genre for me to add to my playlist now go ahead <laughs> Well, when I promote the band, I call Funky Donkey an original blues and roots music band. I think we also may sort of fit loosely in the in the idea of what people call Americana now. And uh, you know, the reality is, is I think that's that's really a result of of all of our influences. Like I've already said, I mean, we'll dip into some New Orleans R and B and funk music. We definitely do do some some songs that fall into a traditional, more traditional country kind of a genre. I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan. In fact, that was really what started me on this journey. Well, you know, what's Dylan? I don't know. Is he blues? Yes. Is he country? Sometimes. Is he rock? Sure. Is he all of the above Americana is he, he's just Dylan. He's just his own right. sort of thing. Right. And so, and I think that when you, you know, if you listen to the donkey land record, which is what we're playing songs off of, you will hear a 12 bar blues He's straight ahead. 12 bar blues, like mm -hmm. Mozart line. You'll hear a Mississippi Hill country blues. There's a song on there called the Oaklawn blues, which is a one chord kind of Mississippi Hill country drone. When you get to queen of the devil's den, I, you know, I don't even know what that is. It's a, it's, it's, <laughs> it tends towards kind of rock and roll. It's not a blues song. It's not a country song either, right? It's so I think oh that much more is kind of a roots music sort of a song. When we listen to "Too Broke to Pay My Dues," well, that takes the more of a almost a traditional R and B kind of a form, like more of a Memphis sort of a, a sultry ish. Mm -hmm. R&B sort of a, a form. There's another song that the last song on the record is called When Gilbo Sings the Blues. And that sounds almost like sort of like kind of like a Marty Robbins sort of cosmic cowboy kind of thing with a dose of New Orleans horns thrown in. So <laughs> the unfortunate sort of a reality of it is, is that if you call yourself just if you just say I'm a blues band, mm -hmm. then there are certain expectations that go along with that. There's certain there's a certain body of work that people expect to hear, and that's fine. I mean, you know, the Sweet Home Chicago, the Down Home Blues, Smokestack Lightning, the Hoochie Coochie Man, those kind of traditional songs. If you call yourself a country band, well, then once again, there's a particular book that people expect you to play, that they, they expect you to know. And the reality is we just don't really play covers. <laughs> we write these songs. We put a lot of effort into it. We've got a bunch of original materials, so we want to take it out and not be sort of shoehorned into any any genre. And from a marketing perspective, I can go to a blues festival and say, 
you should book Funky Donkey. Here's some of our blues stuff. I can go to a Roots Music Festival or an, or an Americana Festival. I want to go, well, here's this sort of a thing. I can go to a, a country fair. We do a lot of fairs. We do a lot of mm-hmm. small town festivals. And just say, we're going to play something that everyone in your audience is going to like. Sooner or later, we're going to get there because we cover that much ground. So I think the Roots and Americana tags probably capture it the best. But really, uh, it's donkey music. That's what it is. <laughs> just donkey music. That's its own genre now, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, so you can you now now I'm now I'm giving you two. Now you just have. I, in fact, this has been very masterfully manipulative on my part. <laughs> I have given you a genre under which only I can fit. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. So anybody that, that tries to emulate your sound, we just say that they're well, they're doing donkey. Yeah, they're getting donkey. That's getting, all. Getting donkey. I love it. That's that's so good. Yeah. So then you brought up uh, Queen of Devil's Den. You brought up Two Broke to Pay My Dues. Both of them feature yeah. Joe Crown. Who is Joe Crown? So Joe Crown is a, is an amazingly talented B3, Hammond B3 player out of New Orleans. First ran into Joe Crown. He, uh, for a long time, I don't think he still does it because at the moment, and for a while, he is a member of the Kenny Wayne Shepherd's touring oh. band. No kidding. Um, But I first ran into Joe down in New Orleans, which is where he lives, and I believe where he's from, uh, playing at a place called the Maple Leaf, which is a combination laundromat, bar, and (laughs) performance venue. Like, you can only, of course, in New Orleans, you can go do your laundry and, and see great music. But he was playing in a trio with a guy who has since passed named Walter Wolfman Washington. It was just one of those experiences you can only have in New Orleans. You walk into a laundromat and you just have the just world class, amazing music that you can only find in New Orleans. So that's how I, I sort of knew of Joe when we were working on the Donkeyland record, which was during pandemic. So everything's being done remotely. Wiley Riggin, who was our producer and engineer and recording engineer on it, had lived in New Orleans for a while, and he knew Joe. And he looked at me one day and said, hey, do you know do you know Joe Crown? I think this record needs some organ on it, some B3. Do you mind if I reach out to him? And I said, heck no. Yeah. I mean, let's do it. So after that, it was, a, it was a real short Zoom call, and we got Joe on board. We sent him the tracks. He... Recorded everything, sent it back to us, and that was that. I'm always fascinated by musicians that listen to musicians. That's kind of what it sounds like. It's like it sounds like you're almost like a Joe Crown fan. Well, absolutely. I mean, yeah. listen. In my view, look. As I said before, I'm, I would I would love to be very successful and all that kind of stuff, right? But let's right. face it: forty eight year old white dudes like such as myself who play this kind of music aren't. I, we're not going to burn it up like Taylor Swift or whatever, right? Like, right. But at the end of the day, what I really want to be is I want to be in the band that other musicians go to see, right? Yeah. That other musicians dig. That's the band I want to lead and be in. Absolutely. I, I tell this story a lot in this podcast. There's a jazz festival in Burlington we attend every year. And to find the place where the musicians go to hear the music, that's what you want to do. Right. And that's exactly. And then then you're in you're in heaven because those performers are that good that the spectators that are professional musicians are going, Yeah, wow. Right, right. So then who is Anna Boss Lady Brazil? Brazil. Brazil. So so the, bo- the boss lady is a is a local friend of mine. She lives down in uh, I believe in Arkadelphia here, Arkansas. She's she's just a force of nature. Uh, that's that's all it is to it. I mean, she's she's a she's a very fine songwriter, singer, and guitar player in her own right. She does a lot of music production now. She's also involved in a company called Beard Bully, which makes you know beard care products with, okay. with her husband. I knew her for for 20 years, and she's just a dear, dear friend. And one of the beautiful things about making a record is you can put your friends on it. You know, (laughs) like, if you have musician friends, you you can bring them in. So when it was time to put some backing vocals on, she was was one of the first people I've called because uh, I knew that she'd be fun to work with. I knew that she would kill it. Um, There's another song that we're not going to listen to here, but it's on the record. It's called No Peace. 
where she takes a little bit more of a, a prominent role in, in the backing vocals. So people want to kind of hear what she sounds like a little more than on Queen of the Devil's Den. You know, go and check that one out. So she, you, she is not the queen of the Devil's Den. Then. No, she is not the queen. of. The, she's not. I suppose, <laughs> I suppose on some days she could be. I'll tell you a, a funny story when, so that there's, that she's on Queen of the Devil's Den. The backing vocals are her and then my son, whose oh, name really? is Barlow. Yeah, he was about, I think he was about 15 at the time. He's a, a far more talented musician than I'll ever be. He plays guitar, piano, and drums, and bass, and he writes, and all that kind of stuff, you know? Oh. And he can tap dance. He's just, he's super, super talented. I, I wanted to I wanted to have my son sing on my record. I mean, what's well, better sure. than that? So I, I say, okay, come on down to the studio, and we're going to do these backing vocals. And I called Anna to come down and do vocals on her. Well, well, Anna, being who she is, shows up. She has a pit bull, very young that she's training to be a service dog with her and she's wearing it. And she literally has a pistol strapped, you know, on her belt because she's, what a, what a she's visual. tough. She's a <laughs> badass. I mean, like I said, she's a force of nature. You just don't mess with her. And I, when she walked in with, with the pistol and a pit bull, my son looked at her and his eyes got real big and I could hear his thoughts. I could hear him go, what have, dad, what have you gotten me into? What's about to happen here? You know, that sounded uh, like a, like a line from a song right there. She walked in with a pistol and a pit bull. Tom, we've already written it. We've already yeah. written it. it. It's in progress. It'll be on the next funky donkey record. It's called yeah. bad attitude. How funny. How funny. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's get sure. to this one. Let's get to this one because we've talked talked a lot about it. I can't wait for people to hear this. So we're with the Funky Donkey at Little Rock, Arkansas today, and the next song we're going to hear is a song called "The Queen of the Devil's Den," featuring Anna Boss Lady Brazil and Joe Crown.
Queen of the Devil's Den with the Funky Donkey, and back with Swamp Donkey, Ben Brenner in a second. You don't need big promises, right? You need results. And this is mainly ladies. I mean, some men do skincare products too, but mainly ladies. Simple Beauty Retinol Moisturizer contains only the best ingredients for your skin. It doesn't contain any unnecessary ingredients that may cause your skin harm. Okay, it doesn't contain unnecessary ingredients that may cause your skin further skin issues. Specifically formulated, the retinol moisturizer helps reduce the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles, making the skin appear younger, softer, smoother. Powerful combination of antioxidants, vitamin A, C, B5, and E. Fight premature aging by blocking DNA-damaging free radicals and promoting softness and elasticity. In addition, the hyaluronic acid provides plumpness and draws moisture from the environment to the skin for the perfect moisturizing balance. It contains natural ingredients, including aloe vera, jojoba oil, rose water, sunflower oil, which are great for alleviating a variety of skin conditions. Simple Beauty Retinol Moisturizer. SimpleBeautySkinCare.com. It simply works. And back donkey talking yeah hey i'm in favor of i'm in favor of plumpness okay in, in my skin i just want i want to endorse that that the donkey is is pro plumpness in terms I am, of skin I, I have accepted my plumpness that has happened since i've gotten older and quit smoking and don't walk as much and i'm not as physical in my job although i i will say this i did try the keto diet a while ago and i lost 30 something pounds so that was oh, it works it yeah, works absolutely at least for a while but then yeah, yeah there's another stop. <laughs> exactly and if if you live in a colder climate like Alaska or by case Vermont, you, you go through a phase in your life where you have to have carbs. One of our yeah. guests that was on earlier from Anchorage, uh, Hurricane Dave, wrote a song called Craving Carbs. And it's just about that. <laughs> As your body just gets ready for that cold weather and you start producing more and more insulation, we call it. Right. Do I call you Swamp? Do I call you Donkey? Do I call you Ben? You call me Donkey. That's fine. Okay. A lot of people okay. do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll you know, funny story, uh, and, and people people really do, they call me donk or they call me donkey. Back when I was married, now someone someone referred to my future ex-wife as Mrs. Donkey, and that did not go over particularly well. My ex-wife was Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Bugman, and we modified that, and she became Bug Lady. So, <laughs> uh, it was it was more acceptable than Mrs. But She had her own identity that way, see. Right. <laughs> An extension of me. <laughs> Headed to Hot Springs, Arkansas in November. You guys okay. play the play the resorts down around there? Do you play uh, Lake of the Ozarks, Branson, anything like that? Do you hit that circuit? We don't do the resorts yet, although I'm, I'm looking to get into it. We do do a monthly blues jam in Hot Springs okay. at a place called the Central Cabaret and Nightclub, which is a really cool, old... It's one of those old movie theaters with a balcony and the mm -hmm. red, you know, velvet seats, and it's yeah. got a... Uh, it's got a runway in it. So, yeah, that we, we host the Funky Donkey Blues Jam the last Sunday of every month. Now, November might be a little bit different because of Thanksgiving, so I'm not sure exactly when the date is, but we That's will host I'm the Blues Jam down there. Yeah. That's when I'm there. We, we're we're going to be there the Sunday after Thanksgiving till the following Sunday. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, while you're down there, look me up. And we'll come over to a house party for you. If we're Sounds not wonderful. Okay. <laughs> it's a reunion thing, I think, a family reunion thing. So gotcha. I'll just try and get everybody to come down and hear you guys play about it because yeah. some of us are musicians. For so sure. let's, uh, too broke to pay my dues. Dad used to have this saying. He said, if it cost a nickel to go around the world, I couldn't make it to the street corner. You know? <laughs> And, and that made me, that title made me think of that saying of his, too broke to pay my dues. How broke do you yeah. have to be? Johnny Lang, you know who Johnny Lang is, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. He was, he was on the, the Bob and Tom radio show years ago, 17, 18 years old at the time when he was having his, his coming out or whatever, you know, when he was right. really hitting national prominence. Right. And I don't know if it was Bob or Tom. He just looks at me and goes, you're 18 years old. What the hell do you know about the blues? Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> what dues do you pay at 17 or 18? So let's talk about, because it's a real bluesy song. Oh, yeah. The story behind that song is, like I said, it was oof, 15 or so years ago. At the time, I was in the midst of active alcoholism. I was separated from from my wife. Uh, wasn't living in the home that I was, you know, paying the mortgage on. Mm -hmm. uh, 
the job that I had. I had a career as a lawyer and that felt like it was falling apart. And it was Christmas time (laughs) and I'm sitting in my car down by the Arkansas River feeling sorry for myself and just thinking about how this is this is funny in hindsight actually something you have to purify the tragic with humor right so I was thinking I was like man I can't even get a good like I was in a creative slump I'm like I can't even get a good song out like out of this like life sucks so bad I can't even get a stinking song you know like and I'm and I'm and I'm 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 talking to myself Right. Mm-hmm. But I'm having an internal dialogue and I'm like, you know, they say you got to pay some dues. I mean, I'm paying dues right now. Where's my song? Right. Like right. I'm so broke. And that's where that concept came. Like I'm too broke to even pay my dues. Like that's how far down. And and it was an yeah. accurate reflection of, you know, if you if you've ever been in active addiction or, you know, someone who has, then there's a certain level of despair bear that goes along with that Mm -hmm. which is unlike anything else it's unlike grieving somebody's death or other kind of losses it's a very particular sort of despair and that's where i was when i started writing that song again 15 years ago now it took a long time to evolve out of that but if you listen to the lyrics in it you'll you'll hear remnants and people who are in recovery will hear some themes that show up from recovery like i don't want to be who i am anymore Right. That kind of stuff. When you're in in that vein, you're in that place in your life, you're paying your dues every day and people don't know it. They don't even know it. You know? Yeah. 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 Well, it just feels like it's not enough. I mean, you know, you're suffering, but it's, where's the, where's the light at the end of the tunnel? That's not a train. Like, uh. what's the, what's the Woody Allen joke? Life is full of misery and suffering and pain and it's all over much too quickly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So now, 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 Joe Crown is on this song again. Did he do the session and, and do both songs at the same time? You just had so much fun with the one, you brought him back on another? Or how does how does that usually work? So this was actually the one where we wanted, this was the one that was the impetus for getting him involved. So when we did the song, like I said, we recorded it in pandemic, but we all, the four piece, me, Lance, Gil, and Lynn Fitzgerald all got in the studio together. We did the backing track live. It was one take all the way through. That was it. And then I went in and I did a vocal on it. And then we listened and we're like, man, this is really good, but. It seems like it needs a little bit, it'd be great to have an organ on it. And that's where mm-hmm. the idea of Joe Crown came in and how he got involved. And then uh, at the same time, I was also like, yeah, and it needs some kind of Memphis sort of horns on it too. So then we got the horns to come in and lay those those tracks down on it as well. So that's that's how that came together. Now, is, that, is that something that you would rely more on? Maybe Kevin, for example, because he's a sax player. So he said, like, I need you to go get, go get us a, a horn section. Or is it because you are all so connected with music there that Curtis might say, well, I, I know a bone player. And somebody else might say, I know a cornet player. Well, so now, you know, at that point in time, neither Curtis nor Kevin were in the band. This is, again, this is early pandemic we're recording. Early donkey. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I mean, we did have a record, an EP that we did before donkey land but it's before we got the current lineup of this this full donkey lineup so now for sure it, listen curtis adams who's our, our keyboard player now can play anything he is an amazing very accomplished jazz keyboard player he understands arranging he's been doing it for probably 50 years or something like that kevin our horn player very much the same way He's got that sort of band training in him, so he understands parts like that. So now when we when we record, Kevin will lay down all the parts. He'll lay down all okay. three parts. You know, Curtis will come in and he'll write his parts. And if we needed to bring in additional musicians, I've got that resource. At that point in time, I didn't. So I was I was relying on Wiley Riggin, who was who was producing and engineering the record. Like I said, he was the guy who said, "Well, I know Joe Crown. Why don't we get him and the the horn players that we had come in." to do the horn parts were also friends of his that that he knew so he was able to to put that section together and and bring a man and get it done during the pandemic it's just so cool how organically things like that come together mm-hmm. you know how we just need this we want to do this and well i know a guy i know a guy there's a story about the jazz festival i've told before once that i was here and the headliner was there on regular thursday night jazz place we go to and then another guy came in another guy came in next thing there's like nine pieces up there 
and they're all jamming on one song. And when they got done, they all just kind of looked at each other and went, wow. Yeah. You know, that's so right. cool. That's what this sounded like here. It sounded like what happened when you put this together for uh, Two Broke to Play My Dues. Right. Yeah. It was very, I mean, it was really, um, it was the process of actually making a record instead of a recording, right? I mean, you can yeah. make, there are lots of great recordings where you just go in and the band plays and that's mm -hmm. that. You capture that moment and you, and you move on. This was part of that because, like I said, the backing track was live, one take. But then we got to build on it a little bit. We got to cool. put some pieces together. And that's incredibly satisfying because when you're doing that, you don't, at least from my perspective, you don't worry about, can I recreate this live? Uh -huh. Can I recreate it in, in a dive bar in Hot Springs, Arkansas, right? Okay. I, it, I'm not worried about that. It's about, yeah. okay, let's ride this donkey and see how far it will take us, right? <laughs> see if it's going to give us any kick. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's too funny. Well, the song is called Too Broke to Pay My Dues. And let's listen to all the elements come together with the Donkey Donkey. Geographic cure 
broke to pay my dues with the funky donkey and uh, before we say goodbye donk i want to probably invite you guys back next year already you got it <laughs> i mean i'm i'm booked into third and fourth seasons in some states i want to have you back but i want to have the whole band in this time sure and yeah and we can make I'm, that happen i'm building a studio in missouri We've got a, a, a place here in Vermont, and we've got a place in Missouri. And I'm building a studio, and I love to come up here in Vermont because I can't stand the humidity of St. Louis, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> but if I if I get that done before next season, I'd love to have you guys come up, maybe get you a gig or two up in the St. Louis area, hang out. We'll you know eat some brisket and some ribs and uh, maybe go fishing down on the big river and uh, and then do the show live in my studio. That would be cool. Now you're talking donkey, man. That's donkey talk. That's real donkey talk. <laughs> that also might be a few years down the road, but that's that's one of the dreams, one of the directions we want to go with the Music of America podcast is do really live, cool. do live stuff. So this is the section where you get to talk about what's coming up, new albums, new CDs, where people can go to find your music, find your CDs, buy your music. Let's hear all about that. 
All right. So uh, you know, in terms of the music, there are two. There are two records out. The first one's just uh, the first one's called the Saboteur, and then there's there's the Donkeyland record. Those you can listen to them on Spotify and Pandora. Uh, you can you can buy them on uh, Amazon and through Apple Music and your kind of normal digital outlets. We also have a website, which is uh, www.getdonkeymusic.com. And so if you, uh, the CDs are for sale, uh, both physical copies and downloads there. And people don't really buy physical CDs very much anymore. Um, but I always tell people, you know, if you get the CD and you don't like it, they make real nice coasters. They're cool. Yeah, there you go. Buy them all the time. Yeah. Good. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, Burlington, Vermont is one of the best kept music secrets in the country. I tell people this all the time. And people that come into this town just blow you away how talented they are. So to support those artists, we always buy CDs. They're what five bucks, yeah. ten bucks. You know, come on, right, right, right. It's cheaper exactly. than the price of admission, and it helps them. It goes to Absolutely. them. It doesn't go to the venue. You know, so that's ex that's exactly right. So you can, but you can buy the music in, in those places and and listen to it there. In terms of gigs that are coming up, we will be uh, the first Saturday in August. I think it's August the fifth is uh, we will be uh, playing in the Pine uh, Bluff. They call it the Port City Port City River Blues Society uh, in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. We're playing at their uh, concert series, which they do one concert a month. So that'll be at a place called RJ's in Pine Bluff. There's also a really cool blues jam down there for anybody who's listening who's local in, in Arkansas is looking for something to do on a Wednesday night. They do a great blues, uh, blues jam uh, down there. Um, and we host a Funky Donkey Blues Jam, the last currently the last Sunday of every month in Hot Springs, Arkansas, at the Central Cabaret and Theater. Um, we will be uh, uh, playing at the Main Street Food Truck Festival in Little Rock, Arkansas, on September the 17th. Um, I'm sure that in between now and Gilbo and I will book some duo gigs down in Mississippi. Uh, working on some other, you know, exciting, hopefully exciting gig opportunities along those lines. And then the main creative endeavor right now is I, uh, I received a grant from the Arkansas Arts Council for Delta Blues songwriting. So we are taking Ooh. that money and, and we've invested it into an, into the next Funky Donkey record, which, uh, will be 10 brand new songs. Um, it's pretty much done. There's a, there's some, there's some additional tracking left to do, but the, all the meat is there. All the potatoes are there. We're just looking to add a little bit of gravy here and there and then <laughs> and do some mixing. We're working on that with a, a, a local guy named Nick Devlin, who's a fantastic guitar player here mm -hmm. in Little Rock, Arkansas and recording it at Wolfman Studios here in, in Little Rock, Arkansas cool. with Jason Bedford. So that's, uh, my goal is to try and get that done. Uh, by the end of the summer so that we have we've got some new material to go out and start and start pushing and have it ready right in time to start looking at the spring festivals and and stuff for for 2024 so really that's what's cool. going on in donkey land right now I'm, I'm picturing the hollywood sign but instead of holly it's donkey yeah. donkey wood. i like it donkey wood wouldn't that be great yeah <laughs> that'd be really cool i like it that's a that's a good idea i'll have to i'll have to figure out a way to use that there you for go sure Donk, it's been so much fun. Ben Swamp Donkey Brenner from the Funky Donkey has been our guest today. The Music of America continues into Arkansas. And join us tomorrow for another interesting, interesting interview. Hey, and, and Tom, as we say in Donkey Land, get donkey and stay donkey, brother. Appreciate you. You've been listening to the Music of America podcast. If you like today's show, please go to the website at www.musicofamericapod.com or our Music of America podcast Facebook page. Like us and follow the show and episodes. We tally the votes of all our shows, and the most listened to shows will be rebroadcast on our best of shows at the end of the season. I look forward to having you with us again and listening to the Music of America.